Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Glad you could join me as the, well, why don't we have a moment of silence as the season ends for many of us. Not everybody, but we'll talk more about that down the road. In the meanwhile, great show in store for you. Uh, A way to extend your hunting season even past that last closing day. Yeah, it's test and trial season. And I'm going to argue for you, an ordinary hunting bird dog kind of guy, to consider doing one or the other or the other or the other. Yeah, why ordinary hunters should try a field trial or a hunt test. But that's not all. I was renewing my um, plate, and so I put on social media my funny license plate, and I asked you to share yours. So we'll take a look at some front and back bumpers from some of your hunting rigs. And now's the time to start planning for next season's big trip. I'll offer up a little bit of advice on how to do that, at least my experience of what I do. Maybe it'll help you, and and maybe we'll all learn something from that. It's all made possible by LandTrust.com, Purina Pro Plan Sport Dog Food, MidwayUSA.com, TrueLock Choke Tubes, Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School, Pointer Shotguns, and Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products. Yeah, as I alluded in the opening, uh, looking at next season already and a couple uh, extensive trips. Missed South Dakota this season on purpose, but I can't do that again. So um, probably heading back there and I'll keep you posted because that's usually where we go on our Fur Feathers Friends gathering and would love to have you along. So stay tuned for that. Also looking at some warm, dry, late season locations somewhere other than right here where we've had way too much cold weather. I know you've had more than me. If you're in the upper Midwest, all I can do is give you my my sympathy and my best wishes. I hope everything's working out okay from that vicious cold snap. Or should I say snaps? Anyway, uh, I'm laying plans. That's how I thought about future plans. So let's uh, take a look at that down the road. But in the meanwhile, when you're on the road, you've got a license plate on on the back, at least. And in many states, it's required on the front as well. I shared mine just because I thought it would be fun to see what you all do as well. Mine at the time was B1RDOG. That's all the numbers and letters they give me in Oregon. But if you think about it, you know what it means. It spells out B-I-R-D-O-G, bird dog. Yeah, and there's a picture of my old guy, Yankee, in the picture with a chucker on it. So uh, that uh, was one of the fun ones that I've had over the years. Um, Now I've got H-N-T-M-U-P. I'll leave you to ponder that one for a while. Uh, ask for your uh, your contributions. Lance Larson has a beautiful portrait of his Vomeraner on his with a backdrop of a American flag, uh, a, a kind of a profile and uh, of a dog stacked as if he were showing, and then a face shot of one of your own dogs, Lance, I'm sure. Um, let's see. Jeff Birch has setter in his Nebraska plate. Um, Bill Healy says a while back he saw a plate that said 
C-H-U-K-A-R. I love it. We all have, haven't we? Okay, David David Klopp has B-1-R-D-O-G, just like I used to have. Uh, clever. Same problem probably in your state, David. Um, let's see. Uh, Richard Allen. Let's see if I can read that. Sage Hen. Wow. Yeah, you got to love those guys. Personally, I dislike them intensely, but that's because they're so hard to find where I go. Jake Notner, W.P. Griff. Love it. Some great ones out there. Another B1RDOG with a lovely, uh, I think you call that color lemon on your uh, Spinoni Italiano, Gene Barkey. And it looks like he's got a, a Bob White quail in his maw as well. So more power to you. Uh, CKR, HNTR, I'll let you all figure that out. Keith Erickson is proud of what he does, and I don't blame him. Man, that'll that'll bust you. And then Jack Reynolds, okay, our token, token duck hunter. He used to have H2OFOWL. Love it. Great job, everybody. There's more at the Facebook pages and on Instagram now. So if you're not on our Instagram page, I think it's called Scott underscore Linden underscore wing shooting. So look for that. Just just look for me and, and you'll probably find it better than I can tell you how to find it. I'm still figuring all that stuff out. Okay, we are brought to you in part here at the Upland Nation podcast by ProPlan Sport Dog Food. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. You know what I've noticed? You know this is one of my kind of hangups, one of my fetishes is dog food and nutrition and and all of the things related to that. Every single dog food manufacturer of note is finally coming around to this ideal proportion of 30% protein and 20% fat. That seems to be the right balance to fuel a dog's metabolism and maintain lean muscle. If you use the right proteins and the right fats, then you're getting omega-3 fatty acids and you are getting that DHA to nourish brain and vision health. All those things are important in a bird dog more than just about any other kind of canine athlete. Learn more about the formulations and why they go to the trouble of doing so much nutritional research. It's all at ProPlanSport.com. Well, if you haven't seen it yet, go find the current edition of Shotgun Sports Magazine. Pointer shotguns are the cover subject this month, and I can understand why. I love the case coloring on my side-by-side, and you can too. They even have them on the over and unders and even in 28 gauge. So if you're looking for a new gun, kind of an upgrade, no matter where you're going from and to, they've got something for everybody in all sorts of colors. Uh, I won't say the rainbow. I just said the rainbow. A lot of colors of the rainbow. Well, just in the case coloring alone. Learn more at pointershotguns.com. Find a nearby retailer and uh, pick your next shotgun upgrade. Pointershotguns.com. I've been thinking about this for a while. You know, I'm an active member of uh, several groups in this world. And, uh, and again, uh, trying to figure out how to make up for the lost time this season that I had. 
And one way to do it, of course, is to um, extend my hunting season. Yeah, it's easier than you think. All you've got to do is consider getting involved with one of the groups, many, many groups, and I don't care what kind of dog you have, there's a uh, trial and testing group for just about any person, any personality, and any dog breed. In fact, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, down the road on this podcast. But first off, let's let's just figure out why it might make some sense to you as much as it makes sense to me. It's a different kind. It's not a football game or a poker, but you do love the challenges and the competition. Right? That's why we go. And being outdoors and hanging out with like-minded friends, of course. Now, what if for half the year you had to not do any, you had to abandon all of that? Well, that's how your dog feels when you leave him to his own devices at the end of the hunting season. It does him no good. It does you no good. In fact, there's a lot of backsliding that takes place. So why not consider one of the gazillion what I call dog games? And it's everything from those uh, challenges that you used to watch on TV, but you can still compete in. Field trials, hunt tests of various sorts, on horseback, off horseback, you, you name it. Some of them get a bad rap. I understand that. Some of them are pretty, well, esoteric, uh, narrowly focused. But virtually all of them have more upside than downside. And I want you to consider that with an open mind, when you're sitting around scratching your head, wondering what to do this weekend. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, even a slightly less competitive hunt test will have an element of anxiety, usually on the part of the human. The dogs, they're just out there to have a good time. But there is some performance expectation even for the non-competitive tests. I get all that. I've been there, done that. I've failed with the best of them. But let's talk about the upside. You're hanging with people who love the same things we do. Now find a group that is fitting into your gestalt, your, your, um, your ethic. Look at those organizations, those events and those people as a chance to learn something and forge a stronger partnership with your dog. You need more upside? Simple. You might meet new hunting or training friends, get a reality check on your training progress. You might find a puppy if you're looking for one. You might find great training grounds or somebody with practice birds. And you never know. Once in a while, you might actually get an invitation to go hunting with somebody. Think about all those things when you're watching the Super Bowl or some boring rerun of a sitcom when you could be out working with your dog toward one of those tests or trials. Because what they do for you, or at least for me, and think about it, maybe for you as well, Training for dog games fortifies that human 
canine bond over the entire year. There is no downside to that, is there? And no matter your score, if you train for the test, you'll probably have a better dog. Yeah, call it a meat dog because maybe it's not polished. But that dog will dig less, bark less, listen more, and live a fuller life. And so will you. All right. End of lecture, end of theory. Let's talk a little bit about practice. First and foremost, you love to hunt birds. We know that. And if you took my Upland Nation Index survey, we also know why. To watch your dog course in the uplands or churning through a pond after a mallard. You know the feeling, watching your dog at his peak. Energetic, passionate, primitive. That all works on us too. It's a kind of a chemistry thing. I love to hear that dog crashing through the brush. It's music to my ears. What about you? And then just watch, I mean, especially on one of those open fields with a little bit of slope in the background. It's like an amphitheater. You're watching a performance. Whew! The hair is standing up on the back of my neck just talking about it. I'm thinking about a particular chucker hunt in Nevada this year. Anyway, <clears throat> the problem with all of that is, just like football season, it's over too soon and you're back to life. That gray netherworld with hardly a glimpse of the next opening day. But you can brighten that next opening day, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, by getting involved in one or another of the groups that offers field trials, hunt tests, a hunting dog challenge, whatever you want to call it. I know it's not the same as chasing roosters in South Dakota, but it's better than Nothing, and in some ways, it's even better than that. You're distilling your training down to its essence. It's motivation for working your dog to upgrade your mutual performance in the field. I remember a great music teacher I had way back in my undergraduate career, who reminded me that anybody can be a star in the practice room, but the, the rubber really meets the road when you step onto the stage and those bright lights are hitting you square in the face. Yeah, it's not the heat from those lights that makes you sweat. Well, a hunt test or a field trial is your stage, our stage, because I'll see you at one of those. And don't worry, I don't care how big, small, what color, or what breed your dog is, there's a hunt test or a field trial for everybody. Some are just for fun, some are very competitive, and some even have big money associated with them, although they won't admit it. But you can find one that fits you and your dog by shopping, just as you did for your last shotgun. And I mean, again, that's... Not hunting, but it's better than your other choice. I mean, what else are you going to do? Play golf? So the question is, are you up for it? Of course you are. And your dog, he gets two votes. So you win, all three of you. 
But you don't have to win a field trial or even pass one of the hunting tests that uses a standard instead of a top dog and everybody else's loser. Just apply yourselves, work on the challenges of the rule book, and you'll be a better hunter next season. And everybody who tells you about this will probably tell you, oh, it's so spectacular, and I'll, there is nothing like scoring high in a hunt test or winning a field. Yeah, that's true, but anyone who claims never to have washed out of one of those is a liar. Everybody crashes and burns at some point. I'll never, this, the, welcome to the natural ability test of the North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association. I thought I was pretty ready. I was green, greener than green. First dog, first year. But we'd worked a little bit on, you know, stuff in the field, range, bird finding, pointing, even a little tracking, because in that test, you got to track a, a running pheasant. I just blew off the part of the rule book that talked about what the judges do when they're checking confirmation until I brought them up on a leash to the three judges uh, who um, had me hold him up after the swim part of the test and they checked his coat and then I put his front feet back down and then one of the judges went down behind and counted Bill's testicles. Hold leather and let her buck. I don't know who was more surprised, but neither of us bit the judge, and I guess that's all that matters. So read the whole rule book and remember that every part of it counts. Again, you want some perspective? Go to the training days. Go to tests before you enter your own dog. Talk to people who do this more frequently. All of those things will help you in one or more ways. I know, let me dwell on my failures a little bit more here because I want you to know that everybody falls apart. My dogs wouldn't swim on a pond that had ice on it. The quail were so soaked from a rainstorm that they ran and so did my dog. Once I lost a dog into the next property. And uh, the highlight for a lot of people on this day was when me and Flick found the four-foot-long rattlesnake on the bank of the swim test pond. I've had to tell off psychotic human bracemates and run with just a few dogs more poorly prepared than us if you can imagine such a thing. And I'll never forget, and, and this, this, this is a highlight. We come back from our run in a NASTRA trial, and the first thing I realized was we didn't suck. There was somebody with a score lower than us. We were, not, we were guaranteed not to be in last place. Now, I can look back and smile at all those things, and you will too. But even on those days, I would have tolerated the angst for the payoffs. More than one judge in more than one organization has reminded me 
that a test or a trial is simply a snapshot in time, how a dog and a handler did on, the, on that day in those circumstances. We lick our wounds, go back to the yard, and train to get better. I'm Scott Linden. This is the Upland Nation podcast, uh, doing a solo turn because I'm inspired and I hope to inspire you. Just move you to, just investigate it, all right? Just look into entering a hunt test or a field trial. So how do you do it? I mean, where do you start? Well, until your dog knows how to operate an internet browser, it's up to you to extend your hunting season but you know how to navigate social media. You can find nearby hunt tests and field trials with a search. All the players have websites from the American Kennel Club, the United Kennel Club, NAVDA, NASTRA, VHDF, retriever groups from the Master National Retriever Club to the Hunting Retriever Club. They all have calendars, information, rules, entry forms. Most of them you also have to join. Most of them have a local chapter, local being relative. But there's an organization for everyone. Some will eliminate dogs as quickly as possible to arrive at a top dog. Others reward any dog that meets a performance standard, which you will know by the time you get there because you'll have studied the rule book. Even better news, and this is my introduction was at a retriever trial where a wire hair topped the string. They'll allow versatile dogs, some spaniels, and quite a few of those other breeds will do quite well against their, you know, the traditional retriever breeds. So shop around, like I said, find one that fits your needs. There will be videos all over the place to watch some of these events as they unfold. If you want a really good one, top of the heap, not just because I produced it, but because the dogs are world-class. I did an episode from the NAVDA Invitational a while back. It's on my YouTube channel, so go and watch that. You will, you'll, be, you'll be amazed at the performance of some of these dogs. And then go as a volunteer or a spectator. It, hey, they're one and the same in my book. If you're going to show up, you're going to get roped into helping. And that's a good way to learn the you know, kind of the protocols. See if they actually do count testicles in that group. <laughs> then join the group and, and the local chapter if there is one, because that's how you get in the loop in terms of training days and local folks near near you who might be able to help you. Read the rules. Bring the rule book along so you can study it. Lucky for us, most of those groups have a kind of a, uh, an informal, a, a guru that is either designated or just wants to help the newbies. They'll answer your dumb questions, bring a notebook, make some notes. A lot of these tests and trials offer up a chance for you to watch as part of a gallery Follow along. Make sure you're following all the rules when it comes to that. If you can't follow along, bring a good pair of binoculars. Down there in camp, 
Walk around, meet the other handlers, the trainers, see what the volunteers are doing, help out if you can. Osmosis is an incredible learning tool. Just keep your eyes and your ears open. That's where I found the best tie-out stakes on the market. And I learned what and why and how to feed my dogs on a hunt day. I was so lucky. Recently, I, I, I gave a speech at the Club Epignol Breton National Conclave in Oklahoma. They had, obviously, a whole bunch of different field trials there, and I'd, I'd never been to one quite like this. Very European in many ways, and in fact, the judges were too. It was cold. It was muddy. But it was the best one I've attended in years. Very informal and laid back. The judges, we had one from uh, the Netherlands. We had one from France, of course. And in between runs, we're talking. I learned all sorts of things about confirmation. Some enlightening ways to tell whether a dog is built the way it should be built for that breed. And the Danish judge and I uh, actually spent a lot of time. He was basically giving me a play-by-play -play on, on all the things, including one of the, the big ones around there. Intensity versus desire versus cooperation versus obedience. Oh, yeah. And the state of jazz in Europe. Thanks, Paul. Even if there are no walls, you could still be a fly in the wall and absorb everybody else's experience. It's invaluable. Oh my, I'm, I'm just halfway through all this. We've got so much more to talk about from uh, how to get the most out of a field trial to um, a road trip a uh, suggestion or two for how to start planning your next big one. It's all coming up on the Upland Nation podcast, brought to you in part by LandTrust.com. You know, I've been a customer of theirs, and you know how cheap I am. That's how affordable it is. But you can learn more about all of that at LandTrust.com. The basic idea Exclusive private land access takes the stress out of planning your upland hunt. You can focus on the important stuff. Time with your dog in incredible places. Open a free account. Don't need a credit card or anything like that. Their platform will help you scout for quality upland experiences. Learn more at LandTrust.com. And once you're there, you want to shoot well. Good choke tubes will add a bird to the bag. I almost, almost guarantee, unless you shoot like me. TrueLockChokes.com has choke tubes for just about any shooting activity. You'll tighten up that pattern. There won't be any big gaping holes. You'll get great density in your pattern. And if you don't, they'll fix it. They offer a lifetime warranty and a satisfaction guarantee. Plus, there's always some sort of a sale going on at TrueLockChokes.com. Sign up for the email notifications and you'll hear about those sales before everybody else at TrueLockChokes.com. Welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. Scott Linden here. We are talking about uh, 
a year-round hunting season, so to speak. Try a trial. Got a hankering for a hunt test? I'm going to help you do it. Once you're there, whether you're pitching in or you're just a spectator at the moment, here are some things that will help you get the most out of your hunt test or trial experience. Watch the other handlers. You'll hear commands that you might want to use or how they deliver them. Just talking to them, you'll learn that vocabulary of high-performance canine athletes. Watch how they prepare their dogs for the run, mentally and physically. Pay attention to the dogs. You'll see a concentrated dose of pack dynamics, how dogs relate to each other on the chain gang and when they're braced in the field. You'll find out what riles up a dog and what calms him down and who can't benefit from that. And then also, it's like Formula One. You'll see the state of the art in the dog and the handling. Watch what this, the judges do and the scouts, marshals, and of course the handlers. Some of them use whistles. Some of these, they use body language. They use their hands, their arms, you name it, to get their dogs to perform in the field. Quite often you can ask a gallery member why a dog or a handler is doing what he's doing. Try and figure out what the handler's strategy and tactics are, how, how they cope with, say, wind and terrain, and, and if they're braced with another dog and handler, how they handle all of that. So if you've decided, and I hope you have by now, to train for your own hunt test or trial, Start by going to some of the club training days. Watch the videos that they have. Most importantly, train in your yard and the field with the test rules or the test booklet, if they have one, as your guide. And here's the one that everybody learns the hard way. A dog isn't really trained until he'll do what you ask in multiple places with multiple distractions. Because believe me, that's what a hunt test or a trial is all about. Everything that can booger up a dog's performance is right there, right next to you. Which is a good reason to um, bring your dog to a few of them before you're entered. Stake him out, walk him around on a leash, expose him to the people, maybe the horses, the crates of birds that are just waiting to be put out in the field. Maybe you can even do a little training there. Ask first, because the last thing you want is what happened to me once. We were in a different field, far away from the field where all the competition was going on. But that didn't stop Yankee from exploring the bird field. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> and uh, all of those things together will help your dog be proofed a little bit better at the trial or the test if you're getting ready to do one. Club training days are another great opportunity for anybody in this world. You'll be able to, again, proof your dog in other places with other distractions. But you'll also have some helpers. And of course, you'll help others. 
you'll see gear and birds. You'll have gunners available. Maybe you'll even have a pond for the water tests. And I'll tell you, even if they don't express it explicitly, you'll pick up a lot of training tips, whether you want them or not. I got to warn you, though, you ask any two dog trainers about any particular training issue and you'll get three opinions. All right. So here we are. We think we're ready. Well, hopefully some of this you did in advance because sometimes signing up for a hunt test or a trial is uh, harder than you might think. They fill up fast because, um, you know, location, 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 and all of that. So sign up as soon as you feel confident and then get ready for a long drive. You know, finding the right grounds is not as easy as you might think. Lodging is also at a premium in many of the rural locations. So if you're self-contained, all the better. And in a lot of clubs, you'll need breed dog, uh, paperwork. You know, make sure your dog is registered with the organization and with anybody else and they're vaccinated. You know the drill. They'll tell, all, they'll tell you all of that on their website and in the test um, information. And the tests... And testing organizations are all different, but there are a lot of commonalities. The judges are usually volunteers, and they probably traveled a long way. They're doing this out of the goodness of their heart and to improve the sport and the dogs. Safety first. Blaze orange is always important if you're in the gallery, for example, and there's shooting going on. Keep your dog leash tied out or in a crate. No free-running dogs anywhere in camp. And likewise, be mindful of the changes in the, you know, the, the weather. Keep your dog in the shade. Keep your dog warm in some cases. But just be mindful. Unless you've been invited, don't mess with anybody else's dogs. Or horses especially the north end of a horse facing south, if you know what I mean. Be self-contained, ready to take care of yourself. Make sure you're, you know, the wardrobe, shade, water, all of that stuff. Quite often there's a gathering afterwards. So bring something to share. Hint, hint, usually a bottle. That's where you learn the real important stuff. Everybody's willing to spill, not that whiskey, but some of the other things that happened in the field maybe you didn't see or wondering why they happened. That's also when scores are read at some of the tests, and that in itself is um, worth the price of admission. Yeah, as in any other performance, and that's, this is a musician speaking to you from way back, there is a time when you put all that anxiety behind you. Preparation is done. It's too late. Now you got to let your instincts take over. And same for your dog. When I first got Buddy, he was a young dog, and we were going far away for a natural ability test in the NAVDA system. And I had been pushing and pushing, and pushing. 
quite often what I was doing was what I later found out was called overtraining, squeezing harder that very morning at the test site before everybody else got there. I worked him as hard as Vince Lombardi ever worked a Green Bay Packer. Which reminded me, Coach Lombardi had said to me years before, you win games in the weight room, not on the field. In other words, if you aren't prepared, nothing else is going to help you. Well, apparently we were prepared because I switched gears. We had fun for the rest of our little warm-up session, loosened up, and passed with the highest possible natural ability score. So at some point, you will too learn that you got to enjoy yourself out there. It doesn't always work out that way. One time I remember the head judge was reading our scorecard in front of a oh, couple dozen handlers. And on the back, there were two words in big, bold, capital letters. Eight, bird. Yeah, it happened. Now, I can't wash that away with any number of post-test refreshments, but I learned something from that, and I taught my dogs since then to overcome the challenges of that particular situation. The good news is, Manny couldn't read the scorecard. All right, so... You get it, right? There's just a lot going for you in a hunt test or a trial. Any dog game, even if it's just a fun one put on by, uh, you know, your local Isaac Walton League chapter. Simply showing up will better prepare you for hunting or the training you're going to be doing the next day or the next season. But if you enter and train for a dog game, you're creating a year-round relationship with your dog and hopefully improving, climbing another rung up on the training ladder. Dick St. Clair, thank you wherever you are these days. He was our head judge at one test and he said, whatever the scores are today, because of what you've done together, your dogs will almost always be the best dog in any field any day, anywhere. And he was right. Oh boy, lots more to talk about, including setting up your own awesome Upland road trip. It's coming up right here on the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. First, a word from MidwayUSA.com. Every time I go on their website, I find something I need. Consider it kind of your go-to source. Whether it's warm socks, who can't use more of those right now, to ammunition, non-toxic, and target, for example, this time of year. Sign up for their emails or text messaging and get 10% off your next order. So pile on the gear, put it all in your shopping cart, and then make your order after you've signed up. At MidwayUSA.com, customer satisfaction is their number one goal. 
And lots coming down the pipeline at sageandbreaker.com. My friend Fred Bohm says they've got a couple more new products in the mix. Sign up for their mailing list at sageandbreaker.com and find out before everybody else what's going on. They got a new traditional style of rod and brush barrel cleaning system. A few more cases, including another um, scoped rifle case. That gun cleaning combo is on sale. Pick up whatever you need to take care of your guns at sageandbreaker.com. Come on, admit it. No one's going to judge you, but you read Alice in Wonderland, right? Well, today on the road trip, there's a lesson in what the Cheshire cat said when Alice was lost and trying to get back. He said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And he was right. The same holds true for your next big road trip. So how do you navigate the millions of public land and walking ground? In part, by your hopes, your dreams, your bucket list. You've already probably got an idea of where you want to go. But to that, let me offer a couple more suggestions. Time and distance. My rule is I want to hunt for more time than I spend getting there and going home. You have your own criteria for that. Some of you drive all night and then hunt all day. More power to you. But whatever it is, figure that out and draw a big circle from your house to where you might want to go. Then start digging. Now you tell me in my survey that most of your advice on new destinations comes from your friends or from a state wildlife agency. Now, I'm not going to suggest that there are better, more reliable sources, but you might think about that. <clears throat> Very few of you do a real Google search. I live for that stuff. I mean, every night I spend an hour and a half just learning stuff on the internet. Yeah, you can't learn stuff. I don't watch any kitten videos. <laughs> you can learn stuff from uh, broad searches like quail hunting in California. From that comes all sorts of other great stuff. And, and don't neglect some of the stranger things. Obviously, the wildlife agency sites. But dig down into their news file, their media file. Newspaper articles on the web. Obituaries can be golden at times when so-and-so who passed away used to hunt that forest all the time for bobwhite quail. I'd make a note of it. Search for guides and outfitters in the area. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys, uh, for example, are working on federal land. Find out about where they're going. It's probably a good start. And then finally, and I've forgotten, I, I thank you, whoever told me this, on this podcast a while back. Let me remind you, because it was, it was a, a revelation to everybody at that uh, Epignol Breton conclave. Look at bird watchers' sites. 
Yeah, especially native birds, but even some of the non-native birds will trip the trigger of a, one of those guys in the funny hat with the binoculars around their neck. So check out some of those. A lot of states also have, uh, you know, species distribution map, maps. So all of those together will enlighten you and possibly open up some new places that you hadn't really thought about. And our road trip this week was brought to you by ESPAmerica.com. I'm wearing my new ESP hearing protection in the field as well as at the range. The new digital technology and the way they fit, custom fit, means there's no wind noise. They stay in and they're very comfortable. Remember, hearing loss is cumulative. With every shot, you're going deafer and deafer. I said, with every shot, you're going deafer and deafer. So before I have to do that all the time, go to ESPAmerica.com and learn how investing now in your hearing will pay off down the road. And once you've got your hearing protection squared away, go to midvalleyclays.com. Subgauge Central is what we're calling it. Everybody there hunts and know what works in the field. Whether you need a lesson or you need a new shotgun, they've got it. 20s, 28s, 410s, always in stock. They got a line on models that you may not find anywhere else. MidValleyClays.com. Talk to Dave Fiedler about shotguns. They've got a heck of a stock right now. You should really consider them as part of your mix when you start shopping for a shotgun. MidValleyClays.com Well, that's the end of the Upland Nation podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate all of you who pitched in with your license plates this time around. Many of you have enlightened me over the years, and I probably shared some of that in our talk about taking a trial or a hunt test foray. Appreciate all of that. If you will each tell one person about the Upland Nation podcast, I would be most grateful. I'm also grateful to our friends at our sponsors who make it all possible. Sage and Breaker, Pointer Shotguns, Purina Pro Plan Sport, ESP America, Mid Valley Clays, Trulock Chokes, Midway USA, and Land Trust. There's more to talk about at findbirdhuntingspots.com. Always something new there. Hope you learn from it. I'm Scott Linden. Until I see you in the field, maybe I'll see you at a hunt test or a field trial. Thanks for listening. 